The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Mike Wallace doesn't have all that much driving experience. For the last three or four years, he's put in his views in this business. Mike Wallace comes down to the line. He'll pick up the win. It's fast car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. The battle's for the lead. Mike Wallace gets by Jason Leffler. Mike Wallace comes off turn number four. A great move in that corner. He comes to the line and will win. From grassroots to the top of the racing world. Hear the stories of NASCAR's biggest names and how they made it all the way. Who was Tony Stewart before he was Tony Stewart? I could barely make enough money to pay attention, let alone to try to survive. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass, here are your hosts, Mike Wallace and Jeff Kent. Welcome to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace, part of the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass. My name is Jeff Kent. Strap yourselves in, pull those belts tight. We'll take you on a journey from short tracks across America to super speedways and everything in between. We're brought to you today by Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard. The team at Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln works hard every day to be a community partner in supporting their customers, local businesses, as well as being involved in local charities and programs. Visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com today for your next vehicle selection, service appointments, or collision need. Today's guest, Mike, been around racing his whole life, fairly born and raised in South Boston, Virginia. He grew up at racetracks and around the sport. His mom runs the South Boston Speedway. As a five-year-old, his dad and uncle started their own race team, and that's when his future NASCAR career began. He worked closely with the Sadler brothers, winning a championship in 1995 with Elliott Sadler. 
He's worked in every Elite Series in NASCAR with over 18 drivers. Since 2018, he's been president at Colleg Racing and is building a championship contending organization there. Colleg Fields, the numbers 10, 11, and 16 in Xfinity, the number 16 and 31 in Cup. Please welcome to the podcast, Chris Rice. Chris, say hi to Mike Wallace. What's up, Mike Wallace? And, dude, you do. I mean, I bet you have a face for TV, but you definitely have a voice for radio. That was awesome. You gave me cold chill. You talking to me I can't or Mike? I'm that old. <laughs> well, I was talking to you, Rich. I'm sorry. Uh, that's Jeff that you were talking to, but Jeff makes, I tell you what, he sorry. reads these intros, and the intro's not even about me, and I get excited. You know what I mean? Because he, t- he takes, Doug Yates said it best. He called me after the show one day. He goes, dude, I was excited listening to the intro. I, he said, I was ready to quit. I'm ready to run through yeah, a brick wall. It was like, actually I'm ready Ky- to go. Kyle Petty gave me the ultimate compliment when he, when, when he was on the show. And he said, man, I need a copy of that. I want to wake up to it every morning. <laughs> <laughs> See, and I got the names all messed up. So like, yeah, but anyway, that was awesome. So, but thanks for having me on. It's uh. As I was telling you guys before you come in, come on live, it was um, it's awesome to have you guys out there, like Mike, being able to tell the world, you know, how it was inside of it. Mike knows. Mike's went through some hard times. I remember, you know, growing up when I finally started racing, and Mike racing against us when he was at the Biagi brother brothers and doing everything he done. But thank you guys for telling what it's really right like in NASCAR. I really appreciate it. Well, it's it's great to have you guys, you know, guys like you with the. <clears throat> With the stories, the background, you grew up in racing. I mean, you, what were you, five years old when, when your dad and uncle started that race team? Well, I remember, so we, we always talk about this. I'm big into health now and uh, because I was a big old, big dude, like 350 pounds or yeah, whatever. Yeah, he was. So I, yeah. I was a big, big guy. So Nicknamed Tiny? I, <laughs> no, it, it was Large was my big, my nickname, Large. Large is in charge is what they called me. But, uh, no, I... I when I was two years old, my dad and them, they were building a, a a building to keep their race car in. And I fell on a piece of tin because they had 10, 10 siding when I was two years old and about cut my arm off. And uh, that was when they started their racing endeavor. My uh, late Uncle Earl uh, was the driver. My dad was a crew chief. And, and Earl spent all the money on it. I was talking to my dad about this not long ago because we lost another one of his brothers not long ago. And Earl spent all the money on it. But my dad was the... He was a crew chief or he was a mechanic or whatever it was back then. And, uh, you know, that's when I started, probably when I was two years old, when I about cut my arm off and, and been doing it ever since. NASCAR has been great to my family, been great to me. Uh, we complain. I, I got a bunch of late model races that work with us at uh, at Colleg Racing, and we complain some days. And, and I was talking to Alex Schantz today, and, and if you know some – from short track racing, Alex Schantz was great in his short tracks. But uh, we were talking about it, and a guy was outside digging a ditch outside my office. And he goes, you know, we don't have it so bad. We could be digging that ditch. So <laughs> NASCAR has been great to me. And uh, I started at an early age of five years old. So so what do you remember about the early days? And that's where we take you, all of our uh, our viewing audience and our listening audience. And Jeff, how big an audience do we have? Well, the whole world is listening, Mike. The whole world? Chris, the, the whole world. world 
is yes. listening. The whole world. To that this was a podcast. song, wasn't it? The whole, the whole world, world is on my yeah. side. There you go. There you yep. Go. <laughs> so, hey, Chris, just let me tell you something. If you have anything music-wise you're not that you think you're going to pull over on us, no, we got it covered. I got my A music man sitting to my right. That the king of music trivia. You ever want to win at music trivia? Just invite me along. We'll yeah. win. Well, you know that they just recreated the song John Deere Green, right? And do you know who's singing it? Oh, man. Oh, I just, got him. Well, it's, Boom. I, I'm not a huge country guy. I'm a rock guy. But, yes, I just saw it on an award show, correct? But it, hold on a second. A Morgan rock guy helping sing that. Morgan nope. Wallen. All right. Nope. Jelly Post Roll. Malone. Post Malone is oh, saying that's it. That's right. I saw it. It was on the Country Music Awards, I think. Yes, yeah. yes. And Post Malone's part of it. <laughs> I don't know. They got some name for that band or whatever. But anyway. I'm going to tell yes, you what. They... We got on music just for a second. That Post Malone, I don't care. I've never met him. He's a strange-looking character, yeah, man. He's a weird-looking dude. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm friends with Jelly Roll, right? And, Are, and Jelly Roll No, wait a second. Are you really? I am. Yeah, yeah. He's a... He's a He's actually a good friend of mine. I had him in Texas. Bailey Zimmerman's a good friend of mine. Tim Duggar, Cole Swindale, all those guys. And But Jelly Roll, let me tell you something about Jelly Roll. That dude is going out in the community for, for anybody that's been in jail and got out of jail and making sure that the people got out of jail are doing right. He's spending a lot of money giving to a lot of charities and doing a lot of things. And, you know, he might have a lot of tattoos. And, shoot, he's got the face tattoos like Post Malone does also. But let me tell you, Jelly Roll is one of the coolest guys, one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. And I've never met Post Malone, but I bet he's the same way. Oh, I'm sure they are. I'm just saying, you know, you look at something. Then Post Malone doesn't he have the silver teeth and the whole gr- yeah, grill work? Oh yeah. yeah, oh it's yeah, unbelievable. Well, maybe you'll have an opportunity to meet him. It was just announced today, actually, that Post Malone is one of the headliners at a music festival that's coming to Charlotte in May. That's it. Oh, oh, yeah. Nice. There's a big music festival, right? Yeah. That was the headline news yeah. for the last few days. I even sent a little email out to try to get the alert to get the tickets and all Did that. You know? So let's get back to Chris Rice. We, <laughs> we've got Jelly Roll P- Post Malone. Hey, and Chris, you're welcome to bring all those guys to our house or my daughter-in-law's house. We'll have a big party. we got plenty of room, plenty of space, and we'll party out. We can even but... do a concert in the backyard. That has been done at yes, your house yes, before. We have done that before. <laughs> Let's do it. I think that's a great idea. All right, we'll uh, we'll let we'll talk about that at a later time here. But getting back to you, and that's where we wanted to get to, and we'll run out of time. We always do. So, what do you remember in the early days? I know you you mentioned you thought you got your arm cut off when you were two. I hope you really don't remember that that well because that would be horrible horrible to remember. But when you were a young boy, what do you remember your first racing, uh, helping dad in the shop or whatever it might be? Yeah, so it's quite a few things that I remember, but the one big thing, I, I don't remember the arm situation, so thank goodness. But it, it is, um, it's a couple things that I remember vividly that, that I, I remember when I was growing up that I was not old enough to go in the pits at age five or six or whatever, however old I was. But I remember putting, they, they were people would throw beer cans down. I would have the beer cans on the ground, and we, my, every, all of us, all us young kids, would race around these beer cans behind the, the where the people sat in turn three and four at South Boston Speedway, I would race in the, the dirt, the gravel. Well, it was a wooden fence that was that kind of protected, you know, people from coming in or, or whatever, right? So like they that was that was something that I remember racing around those cans and we would wreck you into that wooden fence. Well one day I took a really nasty wreck and I hit my head and busted my head and my mom took a cold, my mom that, that was running South Boston Speedway, she wasn't running it then, took a cold rag, put it on my head, 
and made me sit there until the race was over before she went and got me stitches in my head. I won't <laughs> never forget that. It was like I was so young, and my mom probably doesn't even remember it now. But it was it was she taught me a lesson. Like, hey, it's some things that are important and some that are not. Right now, this race is important, and probably I've lived and died by that probably too much actually. So, uh, but I, I do remember that, and then I remember my dad and, and uncle that last race they ever won. Um, and it, it was the car number was zero and it was a Camaro. And I, I remember that I had went and bought me some Nike red shoes and it was the first race I wore them to. And I thought they were good luck. And I, I kneeled down and I have this picture at my house. And I remember that last race, never knowing that that was going to be my dad's last race of them owning their own car. And every time I walk out my garage and I go get my car, I look at that picture thinking, you never know when the last race is that you're going to go to. Plus, you never know when it's your last race that you're going to win. So I take every day, and, and I talk about smiling and, and those things. I take every day because of that. Yeah, I just never know when I'm going to have to go dig ditches or go do something different. And, and, and I work really hard at trying to keep our program top level and also winning races. Well, you've done a great job with that, and I, I like hearing this story because I've, uh, you know, I've known you for a long time, but really never knew where you come from, and that's part of where we find this out. But I've noticed, especially since you've been over at Colleague and you've been the boss over there or the leader, we'll leave it at that, that you're always upbeat. You're, you've got a good personality to you. TV loves coming to you because you're full of enthusiasm and all that. And uh, here, hearing that come from those early days is really cool. Yeah, and, and I got to give my mom and dad was the biggest reasons, you know, I, I look back on everything I ever did. I mean, you're never going to win them all, right, Mike? And and even when you win, you're still not happy. I mean, I you know, A.J. Allmendinger walked into college racing, and a lot of people doubted A.J. Allmendinger, did not believe in him, didn't think he could do it. And, and we went on to – we went on to win a bunch of races with him. And my mom and dad told me, that you control how you look, how you feel. So if you do those two things, you're normally going to do good in life. And, and that's what I look at. That's why I always say, smile at somebody. It'll definitely make their day. And I truly mean that. And I say that for myself as much as anything else. My, my mom and dad always taught me that, you know, treat people like you want to be treated and then everything else will work out. And we used to make a joke a little bit within our family around the racetrack is walk through the garage area and smile tell everybody to have a good day, and they, it screws the competition up horribly. <laughs> they don't know what to think. They can't, they can't figure out why the hell you're so happy. You know, because they, they cannot they, do that. <laughs> One thing we do, Mike, is our, our deal here at College Racing is just say the 16 cup car makes it through tech the first time and the 31 doesn't. Right. Your job with the 16 car is to go through tech the second time with the 31 car. And if, if the 16 Xfinity car wins a race and the other two cars don't, all of you guys, after you get loaded up, go over and help the 16 car tear down because the plane's not going to leave until all you guys get on it anyway. But that is our rule. You have to do that here. And you talking about messing the competition up, it's like you're not supposed to be friends with other races. That's not it, man. Smile at these people, just like you said. And that was, that was one big thing about the Wallace family, um, mainly you and Kenny. I'm not going to say too much about Rusty because he was, <laughs> he was before I got to racing with him or against him, but he always – you know, he always was smiling, but also he had that fierce competitor in him, too, where you didn't mess with Kenny. I mean, mess with Rusty. He come up with the Dale days and, and Darrell Waltrips and, and stuff like that. So, 
Yeah, without a doubt. So as we move through your life, we'll start with your life, then we'll get to your career. After, you know, those red tennis shoes, got that cool picture hanging in your shop. Where do you remember going in the sport or with your family? And how, how did it evolve? How do how do we start moving through Chris Rice's life at that time? So, um, and, and I love telling this story. My, my dad was uh, crew chief in Jeff Burton. We, we moved on. He was crew chief in Jeff Burton and late model. My uncle was working also. But my dad, th- th- we went bush racing back then, Xfinity racing. And, and we... We raced it out of South Boston, out of a little bitty shop. And then Jeff got a job with um, Sam Art, I believe, in 1990. It was 1990. Well, my dad and my uncle interviewed with A.G. Dillard. And I, I know everybody remembers A.G. Dillard. He was, you know, had, yep. uh, had uh, a Rick Guadalupe Mass. Hot also. Dog car, right? That's right. And, and Ward Burton was going to drive it. Well, my dad decided not to take the job because he was going to have to move away from his kids, myself and my brother and my, my mom. And he didn't take the job. He didn't take the crew chief job because he he put us first. And he decided to start his own business and building race cars and stuff like that. And I almost, I, I, I do every day because I know my dad sacrificed for us. He didn't go do what he loved and what he wanted to do because of us. And and when I was able to go and crew chief and, and win some races as a crew chief, I don't have many races under my belt as winning as crew chief as I do as running the business but you know I, I do that because he sacrificed for us i almost quit racing in 19 not 19 in 2014 i was almost done i, I was going to start another business i was gearing, i was getting out it, i was i was spent out with it and this amazing man matt Collick showed up so like i remember i do this because of that day i remember my dad coming home telling my mom that i'm not going to do this because i need to be here with you guys and, and every, you know, we, we think back to the family stuff and the stuff that, that you do because of your family. I know uh, you guys, and that's why I've always got along with you guys, Mike. I mean, Kenny, Kenny and I probably got along way better than, you know, most racers do um, or drivers do. But it, And you guys thought the same thing of your dad. Oh, without a doubt. And, How could you not like Kenny Wallace, though? You know what I mean. Uh, I mean, if tell me if I'm right, and we'll jump. <laughs> we're gonna take a break in a second here. But Chris, didn't you? Didn't I just read you offer to go to the dome and do tires for him or something? Did I read that right? You did read that, and he he never he never replied to me. So I took the weekend off. I was <laughs> I literally I was gonna go do tires for him at the dome. Like I, I've always Kenny. I owe Kenny massively, and um, it's just like Elliot Sadler, Hermie Sadler, the Sadlers. I owe those guys because they. Kenny always believed in me. Even when we had slow race cars, he would always still believe in me. I, I told Kenny one time, uh, and we can get to the story later, but you know, I told him we were slow, and he said, "Don't ever use that word on me again." And I'm like, well, "We are slow." Like, I mean, we're slow. I didn't say you were. I said we are. And um, I, yeah, I was gonna go to the dome, fly myself out there, and do them. Let's That's take a great, break. Great spot for a timeout. He's the president at Collig Racing. Chris Rice is our guest today. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Hi, it's Mike Wallace. You need to get behind the wheel of a vehicle that's built tough with Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln. Right now, you can get $500 off any new or used vehicle that we have in stock. That's right, $500 off any vehicle that is currently in stock. To take advantage of this deal, simply visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com slash Wallace. 
Don't miss out on this opportunity to save big on our entire inventory. Get $500 off of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs at Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Welcome back to the Speedport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard. The team at Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln works hard every day to be a community partner in supporting their customers, local businesses, as well as being involved in local charities and programs. Visit FordLincolnSharta.com today for your next vehicle selection, service appointment, or collision need. He's the president at Connick Racing. We're going back in time with Chris. Rice, once again, here's Mike Wallace. Well, well, Chris, the great thing is that everybody listens to the show loves to hear the early days and how you got to where you are. That's what we're discussing. And we got us up through the young days, but now where do we start? Where do you start? We're talking about 1990, your dad taking a, you know, not taking the LD uh, job over there because he loves you kids and staying there. Where do you start making a run in the motorsports world as an employee, uh, a floor cleaner, a tire guy? What's your, what's your first go? Well, it, it was with my dad and Jeff Burton and, and those guys and, and I was, I did, I swept the floors and, and cleaned it underneath of the car. And I, you know, anything I could do because I loved it and I worked for free. Um, then 1990, like I said, my dad went on to start his own business and, um, I was, I didn't graduate high school in 90 until 92. So I'm in high school and I still wanted to, uh, I still wanted to have a race car to go work on. And, and I started working with Hermie Sadler. They let, uh, Hermie brought his car up to my dad's place to put front clip on or something. And I, I, we started, I started helping Hermie Sadler and going down to Emporia and helping Hermie. I had my driver's license. So I drive down there and helping them and, you, you know, and started getting involved in the Sadler with the Sadlers and <clears throat> excuse me. And so as I continued the, kept going in my school and also I was working with Hermie Sadler and learning about racing. He had a crew chief named Morris Johnson. I don't know if Morris is still around or not, but, and just learning stuff. And then we run, we run some late model races. And then in 1992, he started doing a little bit of bush racing. 1993, I thought I was done again. <clears throat> Sorry. And so he went on to go bush racing and I'm like, well, you know, I can't do this. I'm going to college to uh, get my college degree. Um, and, and I'd been playing some football in high school and thought I was going to do some football stuff. So I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm just going to say late model racing or whatever. I'll just, I'll do some late model stuff around here. And I'm telling you, this is exactly the way it went down. February 5th, I think it was a date. Hermie calls me. He goes, Hey, I'm buying you a plane ticket. You're going to come spot for me at uh, Daytona. And I said, do what? I said, the <laughs> biggest thing I've ever spotted was like, south boston virginia 
Like, I've never spotted a bush crawler. He said, you're going to spot. I want you to spot. I, I like the way you spot. I'm like, like, like the race? Like, he's like, yeah, he had an Osmobile. It was an Osmobile Cutlass. And, Mike, you remember these? They had the old glass back window, the bubble back window, glass oh, yeah. back window. Yeah. But thank goodness he had slip-in and Shell was the sponsor. And the car was yellow. So I get on my first ever airplane. I, I feel like it was, I know it was my first ever airplane, 1993. Jump on my first ever airplane, Raleigh Durham, and I'm flying. And we hit an air pocket. Thing drops 500 foot. I said, I'm never getting on another airplane in my life. Scared me to death. <laughs> I was, was terrified. Big old boy, can't hardly fit in the seat. Whatever. I get down there and I spot, and and I, I think I've done a pretty good job because they're like, all right, so we're going to Rockingham next week. We'll see you at Rockingham. I'm like. Excuse me, but how the hell do I get there? <laughs> like, and you know, you didn't have iPhones back then. You had to get a map, an atlas. Well, I didn't get paid anything to go do the race at um at Daytona. So I'm like, I don't have any money. I'm like, I I don't know what to do. So I asked my dad, my dad, my mom and dad was like, Well, son, you got to tell them you need some money. They paid me a hundred dollars a race to go and and uh, spot. I think is what it was. I'd go all weekend. I'd work, but back then. You didn't have to have a spotter during practice, but I would work in the, you know, in the pits. I, w- I was the left side spark plug changer because you do plug changes. You remember? Remember that? Oh, you do plug we jumping around. I, I remember Doug Yates and, and Jeff Clark as they're on two different occasions yeah. talking about all these plug checks that used to happen back in the day. Right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was the left side guy because that was the worst one. So they thought they were going to run me away. Right. And you had to change these plugs and they'd look at them. No, we got to change the jets or whatever, you know, so. Um, Don Beverly, he was racing with Don Beverly and I spotted that whole year in 1993. And, um, I actually made, I made enough money to be able to, to, to drive back and forth to Sadler's and Hermie took care of me. His dad took care of me. And I learned a lot in 1993, but I spotted every single race. We ended up winning the rookie of the year. I think we won three races that year. Um, and so I'm, I'm finishing college. I'm doing college and I'm like, I'm going to finish my college degree. And so 1994 rolls around and, and, um, he's, you know, he's going to do this again, but he's, he's actually thinking about doing his own thing. So do it one more year with Don Beverly. I started helping Elliot Sadler in 1994, middle of the year, his crew chief quit. And they said, we want you to crew chief. And I said, I'm all in. So I started helping Elliot. I finished my college degree along with getting ready to start a full-time job with Elliot Sadler, went, moved in four year with Elliot, went on to win. We won a bunch of races with Elliot Sadler and, and, um, Laymaw stock. We done really well in, in Xfinity um, back then. So it was uh, it was the Saddlers that really got me on the map to be able to go and do my own thing. And and you know Elliot doing like he did with the Xfinity cars, but Hermie giving me a shot to come and spot at Daytona that first time. And and uh, and then I I kind of thought I could do bigger and better things, and I didn't. I I I, I couldn't. So I ended up with Buckshot Jones, and the Jones family was really good to me, 99, 2000. I went on to Petty's with Buckshot and uh, stayed with Buckshot four or five years until he kind of retired. And uh, the Jones family was just like the Sadler family, super nice to me. And and then I went to the Petty's. I stayed at the Petty's quite a bit, Bill Davis. Um, and then I went to JTG after that. It was Tad Geschechter. It wasn't JTG then, so. I've spent a lot of time at different places, but I've worked in truck racing. Like you said, I've worked in truck racing. I've worked in ARCA. I've worked in Xfinity. I've worked in Cup. I've worked in all of them. And uh, I said when I got out of Cup, I spent about six years in Cup. 
And I told my whole family, I was like, ah, I'm never going to do cup again. That, that is just, that is really hard. I told Matt Collig, I'm like, hey, if you ever want to go cup racing, just punch me in the face. <laughs> well, about four years in, he said, go, let's go buy a charter. I said, you punched me in my face yet? <laughs> like, no, let's go get a charter. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Well, he just didn't get one charter. He got two. So here we are cup racing going on our third year. Well, I'm going to back you up a little bit now because we're going to come to the current times a little bit, but we've got a little bit of time. Go back to uh, you, you threw some names in there I really enjoyed uh, because it was about my era. You t- you mentioned Don Beverly, and I don't know. You probably don't even know this, but but Don Beverly helped me get my first cup ride driving for Junie Donlevy. And uh, I, Beverly ca- calls out of the clear blue. Where are we getting some noise at? Sounds like you're uh, mixing I a drink. Admit- know that we're adding on to the building we're adding on to our race shop and i was trying to run into my office because that was so noisy okay it sounded like you were in the bathroom that's why i was checking no 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 (laughs) i was saying that uh a name that you brought up that that you worked with was don beverly and don beverly i didn't even really know him that well but uh he called me in 1994 and he says, hey, he's I've watched you race a little bit. Well, of course, we knew each other, but he goes, you want to drive for Junie Don, Levy? I says, hell, I'd just be happy to have a ride, you know? And he goes, you're getting whatever you're driving. You get up to Richmond, Virginia. They're probably going to hire you tomorrow morning. That's That was my Don Beverly story. Wow. <laughs> you know, Don Beverly was good to all of us. I, I remember the first time Don ever gave me money. He walks up to me and he says, son. Now, Don, if you don't know Don Beverly, he goes look him up, whatever. He said, son, I'm going to give you this money. And it was a hundred bucks. Now let's think about this. Nineteen ninety three is a hundred bucks. He goes, but don't you spend it all at one place? You understand me? And he says, definitely don't go to the bars and spend it while you're on the road. I said, yes, sir, Mister Beverly. He said, no, call me Don. He says we work together. You don't work for me. We work together. I've used that philosophy ever since we started college racing. I, nobody works for me. We work together. And Don, that was one thing Don told me years and years ago. Yeah, well, I, I remember Don just when you said that name. Who was the big guy that used to be the crew chief for Don Beverly? Kind of a kind Bobby of, King. Bobby, Bobby King. King was, okay, he, he went on to go with he went on to go with Hermie Sadler when Hermie started his own team. Bobby King was uh, Bobby King was a smart man. Um, you know, didn't ever want to leave Richmond, or he probably could have made it as a as a big time crew chief. Yeah. Okay, so we got those things of my career out of the way. So going. What was the, the, the we, we, we slid through your career. Is there anything in those early days of NASCAR racing, anything in the Xfinity series, the early cup teams <laughs> that kind of set the tone for you or you understood or you didn't like or, you know, this was the greatest thing ever uh, before you got with Collie? Yeah, so um, it's a bunch, and we could sit here and talk about it. I love telling old stories, and I have so many – I've had a lot of people. Well, you got time a for book. a few. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what this show's all about. That's kind of what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to write a book yet. Wait till I'm done. But I remember standing on the spotter stand at Dover, Delaware. I'm spotting cup race for Buckshot Jones. And I'm up on the spotter stand, Mike. And, and, you know, I'm, I, I thought I was a good spotter. I mean, I, I ended up, I got me two radios. Back then, you didn't have no push to talk button. You had to still hold your hand up at the, at the headset, you know. I have, We didn't have binoculars back then. I'm spotting, and Brett Griffin, good friend of mine now, um, comes to me, and he goes, hey, you know, 
if you're ever going to make it anywhere, you got to get off a spotter stand. You got to get down there on the pit box. And I said, why is that? I mean, I can see everything up here. I know what's going on. He says, you got to get down there. You're way smarter than the people up here. And he was a spotter. Brent was, Brent was a spotter. Not saying a whole lot of good things about him, was it? <laughs> no. Uh-uh. He said, but you got to get down there. He was not wrong. I got I got down, got on the pit box with Fleet Lopez and and started learning how races were run. Um, and he, he wasn't wrong. He was right. And that, that was what probably – I can look back on knowing that day or that weekend when, when I decided after Dover, I, I finished out the year, but I decided after Dover that I needed to be on the pit box and become a shock specialist and, and do those things that it was time. It was, that was the perfect thing to do. So I could learn how the races should be run. Um, and and I, that was early on, you know, that I learned that and Felipe Lopez was real good to me and taught me a lot about it. And um, So that was the, turning moment at Dover Speedway that day that he told me, you better get down on a pit pit box if you want to want to make it anywhere. So, Talk about your first experience as a, as a crew chief, though. <laughs> didn't you say that your first experience came at Rockingham? You didn't even know how to get there? <laughs> that was spotting. That okay. was, that that was spotting. I had, I had, yeah, that was spotting. I spotted at, Do- at Daytona for Hermie in the, in the next race. Mike, you remember this. The next race was always Rockingham. Yep. And and they said, all right, we'll race next weekend at Rockingham. Got to be there on Thursday. We'll see you there. And I was like, I don't even know how to get there. <laughs> like, so I live in South Boston, Virginia. I could have drove to Rockingham in two and a half hours, but instead, because I didn't know how to get there, I drove all the way to Hermie Sadler in Emporia, an hour and forty minutes away, and then drove three hours down to Rockingham because I didn't know how to get there. So. Yeah. What happened? You, at, what uh, happened to that education you went and got? <laughs> well, I didn't. You didn't know. Like, what, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the I thought the the Earth was flat back then. I didn't know it was round. Yeah. Well, and you know, there's a travel stop called the Saddler's Truck Stop or Travel something or other right there in Emporia. They probably got a map or two in there. It's Saddler <laughs> Travel Center, and yeah. hey. They do because that's where we got them from, and that's when I decided I'm like I, I could have drove down a lot faster, but it was way more fun riding with Hermie and letting him pay for everything than me driving down having to buy my own food, doing all that stuff. Because hey, I, we didn't like I'm telling you, we didn't get nothing. We I didn't get no per diem like you get now. I didn't get any of that. We just we showed up. I was involved in that Atlanta race when it got snowed out. I don't know, Mike. Was you racing there? I was. Not? I was there at the Atlanta race. For winter, How long was we there? Like eight days or something. We ended up. It, it was funny because we uh, we qual- we practiced and did everything. We went yeah. with Jeff. We went back to the hotel. We were staying at the Regency at the airport. That real nice okay, one gotcha. corner. Yeah. Don't know how we got there. We didn't have the money to stay there, but we were. Woke up the next morning. There's damn snow on the ground. Yeah. Not a little bit of snow. Yeah. A lot of snow. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we ended up. I don't know. It was Monday or Tuesday. We ended up. Did we, we didn't know we left the racetrack. We came back and yeah. run that race at a later time because I tell you what it was. I had to stay there. We were doing a commercial and we shot the commercial where the sun was shining on the racetrack and got and melted the ice off or the snow off. Oh, so you had to go out to the speedway. Yeah, it was uh, do a commercial, stay around there on a snowy but, day. Yeah, it, it was a mess, but uh, what, what a great time! You know, early on. Hey, you mentioned Philippe Lopez, and it just. I haven't heard that name in God's ages, and he was around early days. And uh, where's he at now? What's he do, Chris? 
Well, you know, he worked at uh, Petty's and then Legacy bought Petty's and he and he kind of got pushed out over there. And I think he, he was on a retirement train. And I think I, I got an email a couple too from him. He wants to go back and doing something. So you never know. He might, he's going to surface somewhere. I got uh, you. Because, you know, Philippe's a racer. And I don't know that he has to surface, but he just, he's a racer and he wants and probably needs to do something. So he, he will surface somewhere. There you go. Let's take a break. Let's take a time out here. He's the president at Colleg Racing. Been around racing his whole life. We're talking to Chris Rice. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace is teaming up with Mark Ficken, Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard to save you money on your vehicle purchase. Right now, you can get $500 off any new or used vehicle in stock. Hey, Mike, there's a landing page online with all the info you need to take advantage of this offer. FordLincolnCharlotte.com slash Wallace. You can view inventory and more. You can even listen to any of the 80-plus episodes of Fast Car to NASCAR while there. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard. The team at Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln works hard every day to be a community partner in supporting their customers, local businesses, as well as being involved in local charities and programs. Visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com today for your next vehicle selection, service appointment, or collision need. He's the president at Colleg Racing. We're talking to Chris Rice. Once again, here's Mike Wallace. Well, Chris, that, that title, President of College Racing, that really means a lot. That's a big deal. And you just don't get that just because you're a nice guy. You, you've worked for it. And before we, you tell us how you got hired by Matt Colleg, I need you to kind of prime those wheels. What put you in the position, you think, to be offered that opportunity? You, you mentioned that you were on top of the pit bar, the spotter stand at Dover. Brett Griffin told you you needed to get off there. Well, that's that's really easy to say. You know, like, I, I should have won the Daytona 500, but I could never figure out how to get it done. You know what I mean? <laughs> so how did you just go, okay, I, I'm spotting here. He tells me I need – how did you become a mechanic, a shock guy, uh, somebody sitting on top of the pit box? Because there's got to be a little bit of a plan, and there's got to be things you do to get that opportunity. I'm sure you didn't call – buckshots group and go hey you know man i'm tired of spot and i want i want to run the race it doesn't work that way i know that so how, how do you go about making your next step in the sport so that, that 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 was a great question and i don't know that i've ever gotten that so i thought you know i'm like okay i'm a crew chief but at the same time i'm like you know i've got to figure out how to run these race teams if i ever want to be anything or or understand why these companies make the decisions that they make. So I started digging myself into race teams, you know, like when we were, when we would do different things or make different decisions at these race teams, I was at, I, I started understanding why we would make that decision. How do we get sponsorships? Why do we need partnerships? Why do we need different things like that? So 
I started digging into that. And when I was at REB, Robbie Benton, I helped him with a lot of that. Getting some of these kids to come and pay, um, not kids come pay, sorry, getting some of these partners to come and pay for these drivers to be able to drive. And I started understanding, okay, this we need we need to get this much money to be able to do this, and it costs this much money to do that. Why do we got to spend money on motors? Why do we have to do this? And I started digging into the understanding the business side of it at RAB. And um, and I was there five years, and and we had John, the late John West Townley, and and learned a lot through that. And then I, I was, like I said, I was headed out of the business because I understood business enough that I'm like, okay, I can go run my own business now. And what, I went what to would you What would you have went and done? <laughs> That's funny you asked. So I had already had the plans ready and had everything. So I had a car wash attached to a oil changing business. Um, so you, you could get your oil changed. As soon as your oil changed, you can go get your car washed. And it was one of those, you know, it, three minutes or less car washes. And then you get out and you vacuum it and do all of that that are popping up everywhere now. Right, right. I, I had that all, all, yeah, all situated to where it had, it, I mean, I, we had the plants and everything where you had the oil, it was a three bay oil changer business where you drive, you didn't, the car never come off the ground. Um, and, and you get your oil changed, take all the filters, do all of that. And if you want the car wash, we run you right through there. You can vacuum it, you can do whatever. Um, and it was right, it was right close to where I live and where, where I'd moved to when I left South Boston. So that's what I was going to do. I had, had, I had it figured out because I had watched all these things start coming up in Charlotte. You know, I drove back and forth to RAB for so long. I'd seen all this and it it was a big time need for it. And where we were going to do it now is a old changing business service station that has five bays. They didn't do the car (laughs) wash. And it's thriving. It's doing really good. I'm sure it hasn't been easy, but it's doing really good, which I'm, I'm glad of. Um, so that's what I was going to do. But then I went to a business that was that was actually failing. It was a it was a truck business that was failing. That was uh, that was on its end. It was on its end. It was headed down. It was not um, going to make it. So I got to see one crash. And I, I always tell everybody that came with me to college racing. God put me in that position. So I understood what to do and what not to do. Um, so, you know, when I did that for a year and a half, um, that taught me so much about how to budget and be smart about your money while keeping morale up. I mean, because you think about it, Mike, when things are going south, trying to keep morale up is super hard. And, and that kind of taught me how to do it. Um, so now were you just saying you started a truck business there, you were working there or what do you, what were you saying? I'm kind of missed that. I, I got hired. I got hired to go to NTS when okay, it was on, okay. its, All right. on its last little leg to run at. And I was crew chief in a truck, but I was, I was, I went to, to, to go run it. And I got I confused. Now you're in the car wash deal. I'm thinking you're talking big road trucks. Uh, you know? It's yeah. like, <laughs> what the hell? I says, I don't remember that part, but okay. So you, I, I, I left the car wash deal. I'm, I, I didn't do it. So. I went to NTS, which was in at Kevin Harvick old building in Kernersville. Yep. Okay, I got and, you. Now. Uh, it was it, it was not we, we didn't we wasn't thriving. I guess is the easiest way to put it. Um, we spent a year of of kind of failing and and understanding, you know. And I'm telling you, it's like I said, God put me in that position to know what to do and what not to do. Um, and we had a lot of people there and trying to keep morale up as we were headed South was a, was a massive thing. 
Um, so now to help set that stage a little bit, and tell me if I, I've got the wrong owner here. Didn't that NTS? Didn't that guy like win the lottery or something? And want to become a race car a, a race team, or was that somebody else? Uh, no, that was a guy from Virginia. He he did that. This, oh, okay. this guy's actually Bob Newberry was a good guy. He's a super good guy. He owned a big construction company that mined um, fracking out okay. in California. Um, and you know, fracking kind of went south. Okay. And, now I got the team. Know, I, I got it figured out now. I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. His okay. son raced, uh, Brennan Newberry. And then Brennan ended up, uh, not racing. And, and, you know, when son, when a dad owns a race team and son doesn't race, why keep doing it? It doesn't make sense. Um, so, and, and it wasn't anything other than that. And, and I, I've, I went through a lot of relationships of, you know, trying to get these guys paid. Some of them got paid, some of them didn't get paid. And, uh, you know, so those people kind of still stuck around me with me, but it taught me when we started colleague racing, and I know we we're getting ready to get to that. It taught me how what to do and how to get these guys to to believe in the Chris Rice system again, and and understand that we we are here for for a long time, and that um, it, it was it was for a purpose when I went to that truck team, um, and I didn't know why at the time, to be honest with you, because I was not making a lot of money. Uh, to go there, but it was close to my house and I could, you know, I had a lot of freedom. So it, it was good. And you still had to pay bills. <laughs> I still had to pay bills. Yep. I hear a lot of guys goes, I don't know why I did that. And I says, well, maybe the electric bill, the gas bill. Well, that's actually the truth, to be honest with you. So uh, the house payment. Yeah. All that stuff that's so irrelevant, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you brought us up to speed on a lot of things in the colleague thing. Let's get started on that now, because it's going to take this in the next segment to figure out. So how does Matt Colleg? like, I never even heard of Matt Colleg until I hear Chris Rice and Matt Colleg. Just take us there and tell the story. So I, I didn't tell this for a reason, but when I was at RAB, a kid named Blake Cook showed up and had money enough to run one race. And he, I think he'd been driving some slow cars, you know, starting park stuff. Back then, starting park was big. And if you don't know what starting park is, it's like you just start the race and park it after a lap or two just to get the money. And Blake was doing that. So Blake come to RAB, and he, he wanted, he had one race. Then he wanted to run Homestead. So we built a second car for Blake um, to go to Homestead. Well, <laughs> Homestead's the last race of the year then. And, uh, so we had Alex Bowman driving for us that year and Robbie took him out of the car for the last race. So instead of taking the car down there as a different number, we just put the 99 over, over the number that Blake was going to run in the second car. Blake seen all this happen. He watched all this go down because you know, anytime you go and going to race with some other race team and you're in a second car, you're thinking that you're getting bad stuff, right? Like you're getting bad, you're not going to get the best car. You're not gonna, you're not gonna get a good car. So Blake watched all this go down. We just took a number ninety nine and we put it over his number. I can't even remember what number he was going to run. He watched all this go down. We go down there. We sit on the outside pole. He had never done that. He, he had a shot at the pole, so on the outside pole, and um, we had a shot to uh, run top. I think he ended up finishing like sixth or seventh, and. Um, he noticed how we prepared that car for him, that it was no favoritisms and that how I ran the, the deal and he got a lot of respect from me. So he went on and he met Matt Colleg. Um, Matt Colleg sponsored a race at uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway for BK and Blake Cook drove the car. 
And the only reason Blake Cook drove the car is because, uh, not BK, for Go Fast Racing, sorry. Matt sponsored a race for Go Fast Racing. Blake drove the car. And the only reason Blake drove it is because uh, J.J. Yaley left that car that weekend to go drive for BK. If not, J.J. Yaley would have had Matt Colley. He would have met Matt Colley. So Blake met him, done a really good job of becoming his friend. They'd done a couple more races, and then Lee Filter went with him and TriStar. You, you remember the late um, Mark, Mark Smith? Smith? Yes, sir. Yep. So he went on to TriStar, and then Matt is a he's a he's a guy that wants to win, wants to run good, and wants to wants to be competitive. So he's like he goes to Mark and says, "How do we run better?" Mark gives him all the reasons why and all this. And Matt's like, ah, I don't know. And then he tell, asked Blake. Blake says, well, you can start your own team, and I got the guy that can help us do it. So I met with Matt in May at a, at a stage brush right there in, um, I think it was stage brush, Longhorn or something, right off the interstate of 85 right next to TRD. Uh, okay. You know where I'm talking Yes, about. sir. And I told him what it was going to cost him. <laughs> and I, I wrote it all down, and he's like, oh, ooh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so he and you had all this knowledge from the RAB days, right? So you had all the knowledge from RAB days and from when I'd done the truck stuff, had all this knowledge of what it was going to cost us. You know, I, I had really worked hard at trying to figure out why does it cost us this much, you know? And, uh, and he's like, Oh yeah, ha, man, I don't know. So he, that was May. Um, he went on and he, he said, no, I'm not going to do it. I said, okay. October 31st of 2015, he calls me number from Ohio. I didn't have his number. He calls me and he says, Chris, Matt Colley. I said, Hey man, how you doing? He said, doing good. He said, I want to start that race team. You want to do it? I said, Ooh, it's October 31st. I mean, <laughs> somewhere right around 31st. He says, so, you know, he's a businessman. He has no idea, no earthy idea. And I'm like, uh, well, I don't, he says, well, if you don't want to, I'll get somebody else to do it. I said, I got you. Yeah, we can start it. <laughs> and I'm like, like I mean, October. So, so October's late, Jeff, to get a, a right. team started for the following no year. No kidding. So yeah, I mean, I'm following along. We don't that. have nothing. Like we <laughs> didn't have a trailer. We didn't have a truck. We didn't have no people. And so I had made a commitment to NTS that was going under, and a guy named Spencer Davis that I would go to Snowball Derby with him. We would build a car and go to Snowball Derby through NTS. So we did. I told Matt, I said, I can't start to work for you until after Snowball Derby. He says, well, what are y'all doing, throwing snowballs? I'm like, no, it's a race, blah, blah, blah. And um, he says, okay. But along that time, I was starting to like, okay, what are we going to do for Alliance? Where are we going to have a shop? What, what about people? What about this? And and the out of the grace of goodness, NTS was closing. So there were 30, 40 people there that we could handpick from right to, to start our race team we were able to lease the same shop we were able to do this kind of stuff and it, it just kind of fell in place we bought a bunch of stuff we bought a truck and trailer and some points from mark smith and um we did not hire we our first employee showed up january 6th because that was the first day back or not january 5th that was the first day back or something that was when we got our first employee other than myself and a guy named lenny chandler like, so we didn't, in 2016, our first year, we, our first employees showed up January 5th. And then you yeah. raced a full season? Not only did we race a full season, we made the playoffs and we almost made the final four. Well, you know, what's crazy about that. I'm listening to January. Daytona is right it's around, it's February, a month away. February, yeah. yeah. I mean, 
Okay, go ahead. I, I'm, we're we're <laughs> it, both looking it, at each other like, what the hell? <laughs> you know? Yep. It, and it, it, the story gets any better, so you might want to take your break because the story gets so much better. Okay. Like, because you just, let's let's it, go it, ahead and do that right now. We'll come back. We'll talk colic racing. He's the president there. He's Chris Rice, and you're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Hi, it's Jeff Kent. You need to get behind the wheel of a vehicle that's built tough with Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln. Right now, you can get $500 off any new or used vehicle that we have in stock. That's right, $500 off any vehicle currently in stock. To take advantage of this deal, simply visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com slash Wallace. Don't miss out on this opportunity to save big on our entire inventory. Get $500 off new or used cars, trucks, and SUVs at Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard now. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard. The team at Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln works hard every day to be a community partner in supporting their customers, local businesses, as well as being involved in local charities and programs. Visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com today for your next vehicle selection, service appointment, or collision need. It's getting good with the president at Cotic Racing. It's Chris Rice. And once Again, here's Mike Wallace. Well, Chris, I'm going to make this like the green flag, and we're running a sprint race, a short race. I'm going to turn it over to your hands, man. I more I interrupt, the less we're going to Tell hear. Tell us we're about in, that first year. We're in that final segment so, now. Let's hear about the first year at Colic, and you you put it in your words, man. Have fun with it. So we we January 5th, our people showed up. So we working our tail off, and we had the Kevin Harvick building, NTS owned the building. And it's, it's getting close. I mean, it's getting close to Daytona. We're trying to get the trailers wrapped. We're trying to do all this. Two days before we were supposed to leave, the cops show up to the building. Stop working. Everybody stop. We're seizing everything. I look at them and I go, what? Yep. Bob Newberry and another guy are in legal dispute. We're keeping everything under seized until, until further notice. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. We're leasing this place and none of this is owned by him. Well, you got to stop. You got to get all your people out. Now, me and the cops like arguing back and forth, right? Like this is, I mean, it's two days before we're supposed to leave. All of our stuff is in this building, the truck, the trailer, everything's in this building. And I'm like, well, nope. Thank goodness we had a lease agreement. We had all that. So they let us work. But as we were working, they were kind of taking Bob Newberry's stuff out. Anyway, so we get all loaded up and, and everything and all that gets calmed down about two weeks later. Whatever, and they got they got this stuff going. So we're racing along. We're, we're going along. We, we go to Daytona. We finish ninth. And I told Matt, I said, I hate we did that. And he looked at me and goes, why? I said, because it ain't this easy. Uh, racing is super <laughs> hard. Like, it is not as easy as it just looked. You know, finishing ninth. Qualified ninth, finished ninth. He said, no, no big deal. So we go to the West Coast, and we have, I don't know, three horrendous races. I think they all was 18th or worse. You know, we were pretty bad. Run out of gas at Vegas and all. 
So we we come back after the West Coast. We go to lunch on Tuesday. Um, after the first four races, we go to lunch, we come back, and it's a four sale sign sitting in front of the shop. And I go, I call <laughs> Matt, and I go, "Hey, the building's going to get sold. We don't, we, we're not, we, we won't have nowhere to go. We won't have a place to live." He's like, "Well, how much do they want for the building?" So I told him, he said, they're crazy, never do that. He said, just go find a, go find somewhere. I searched high and low. Like, I'm just telling you, Mike, I searched high and low trying to find a building. And so it, it rolled around. We come down here to RCR because we had a line with them. Come down to RCR, and it's a go-kart shop called CKI down here. And two older guys, uh, they're, they're kind of splitting up. They want to sell the building. And, I mean, we play, paid a premium for it. But we didn't have a place to go. So we showed up. Dover week, they kick us out of that building. Some another guy done bought it and says we got to get out. So we took Dover week, and we finished our race car and piled all our stuff in this little bitty shop with no lights. We had drop cords. We had uh, we had generators running. We 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 set the scales up like we were sitting at the racetrack. We had nothing at this new shop. And I I was like, well, I mean, we just got to get it done. We had a gravel parking lot. We had to push everything on so we we got it all done we go to dover and we finished seventh and it's like god almighty how are we doing this <laughs> so we come back home and we get that shop all done and about time we get that shop all done we get ready to go into the playoffs and something else happens i can't even remember how this all went down but the plumbing in the shop shut us down for almost a, a week like because the the smell of it and the different things of it and it was like we're getting ready to go into the playoffs. Like, I mean, I, if I remember correctly, Chicago was the last race. We come back after Chicago and the plumbing. It, I mean, we're out here. We own city water, but the plumbing had it smelling so bad in there. We had to work outside the building. Like, And, and I don't know if you Somebody clogged the crapper up. <laughs> right. I don't know if you ever smelled crap, but yeah. crap stinks. <laughs> it makes me think about what was that show, the yeah. movie with – Bre uh, Christmas uh, yeah. vacation, uh, where he's sucking. Uh, yeah, there. Christmas vacation. <laughs> okay. He pulled up. He pulled up, and he says, "Hey, Clark. I don't know if y'all got to beat yeah. this out or not, but he says, hey, Clark, the shit is full." <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. I, that. Somebody just did a parade float like that that was on that was shown on social media the other day. It was funny. So that's the way Colic Racing was going into the playoffs. <laughs> we we hit the playoffs and we we end up and we you know we had a good race we run really good at Phoenix leading into Homestead and we almost made the final four um, we missed it by one point thank goodness we did Mike because when we showed up at Homestead that first year we ran 29th all day we would have looked just so bad we we ran so so bad that day that thank goodness that we didn't make the playoffs because we would have been embarrassed. We would have been the bad news bears showing up to the deal, <laughs> and um, so yeah, I'm glad. I'm so glad that we did. But uh, so no, as, that first as year you're having tough. that first year, and I'm listening to you, and I know you enough to like you're you're going to make this stuff work. D does Matt Colleg actually recognize what's going on and this stuff that's going no. on behind the scenes? <laughs> no, Lord, no. Okay, because I always told him we're going to keep it roses and candy. I'm never going to let him see the bad side of NASCAR or anything that's happening. I'm just going to handle it. And he says, that's, that's the way I love all my business people to do. You handle it. If you need anything big, just call me. Now, obviously, as we went cup racing and stuff like that, he's had to be, be involved in some of this stuff. But, no, I, I would not allow him to know any of that. You know, just because it was 
it's really no need, Mike. You know yourself. Like if I would have showed him all of that, he'd quit. Yeah, he would. It was. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, it, after the, that first year, I mean, as uh, you guys went through a lot, and, and you you made it look easy to Matt, I'm sure, because it sounded like, sounded like it looked easy to me. But I know that's not real. You know, that's that's not what happens. So, uh, how how do we progress to year two? What's his outlook at that point? Well, you know, we're just trying to figure it out still. We still, we were excited about the year, thought, man, we could go in and we could do really, really good. And I just kept telling him, I said, Matt, you know, you got a sophomore slump in NASCAR. I don't know if you know what that means, but a sophomore slump is pretty bad. Like you, you're going to have, you're going to have a bad, bad uh, year. It's not like it's, it's good. Like, so we went into the second year and man, we did, we had a sophomore slump. We didn't do well. Um, Matt was in the process of a, a, a company trying to acquire leaf filter and, but we just didn't, we didn't do well in NASCAR. We, we made the playoffs, but we didn't do well. So we, we progressed through that year and ended up um, at the end of the year. It was like, all right, well, we got it. We need to get some cash in here. We need to, we need to find some sponsorships. And, and so went out and got Ron Truex our third year and we still didn't do right. Well, we only had one top five in our third year. Um, so like it, it, now it looks like we, we were great, but it wasn't like, we still wasn't that great. So to make it to, to fast forward, once we, um, the, after, after Ron Truex and we brought in, um, you know, Justin Haley, when we got Justin Haley in here. That was the, the first guy that I kind of went out and recruited after, after Blake had left, I went out and recruited Justin Haley. Once we got him in here and we were able to, to put AJ in the building and we started to learn how to win and run better, that was when things started turning around. Um, and I always, I always tell Matt this, uh, you know, it, it, you gotta have an a plus quarterback to have an a plus team. If you have a C quarterback, you gonna have a C team and, and, and somebody that'll come in here and just be so mean to us and make us better. We got good guys and we got smart people. We have we have twelve people that's been here since day one. Well, we didn't start, but with sixteen. Um, so, like, we we have a lot of people that are still here, that that were here day one. Uh, I just gave away at our Christmas party. I gave five five year awards. I mean, that's pretty good for a NASCAR team. Like, it, it's hard to keep people in Welcome North Carolina. So, so to do that, you know, was. Once we got AJ in here and he started, I mean, AJ is pretty aggressive on us. He's not, he's not easy on us. He tries to make us be better in everything we do from the time we get to the plane to the time we leave. So, uh, you know, we, <laughs> I, I'll tell this real quick story and I know we got to go, but like we, we signed a company called nutrient ag solutions to sponsor us and they, they had run some races and they wanted Ross Chastain. We said, okay, we'll get Ross Chastain. And he ran Daytona. We've done good. And, and, and we're like, all right, going to like our second or third race, we like going to Kansas. Well, we leave the shop at five o'clock and I get a phone call from the, from the 11 hauler driver. He says, Hey, we got a bad problem. Like what's wrong? He says the 10 trailer has run off in a ravine. I said, run off in a ravine. He says, yeah. And it's bad. I'm like, uh, FaceTime me. He says, I have a, I don't have a smartphone. I got a flip phone. I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> Like we lost a truck and trailer going to Kansas. We still put a car together. We put it in a trailer with the help of RCR and we went to Kansas and we finished, uh, we finished fourth with it that week, that day, uh, that weekend. 
but we, I mean, we, we almost lost our truck drivers and everything else, but we lost everything in that truck and trailer. So you, if you think of it, Mike, it has happened to this race team. And incredible. You guys have been through a lot then. So, a whole lot. Yeah. But at the same time, now you're still Matt Collick's in, in Ohio and he's just thinking roses and candy, right? <laughs> you just teach him up roses and candy. I called him and said, Hey, I did. I called him and I said, Hey man, uh, our truck and trailer's wrecked. He says, is everybody okay? That's the first thing I always ask. He says, yeah. I said, yeah. He says, what happened to it? I said, run off a mountain. He said, Ooh, I bet that's cool. He says, send me pictures of it. That's exactly <laughs> Can't do it. Driver had a flip phone. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, like you can't, you can't make this up. By the time I got there, it was dark. So I FaceTimed him and he says, dude, walk down there to it. I want to see it. So I was down in the truck and trailer showing it all to him. And he says, man, that's cool. I'm glad nobody's hurt, but that is awesome. <laughs> like, it looked like a bomb had went off. I mean, it destroyed everything in that trailer. Unbelievable. Well, hey, here's, tell- a, here's a layman's question, though. When something like that happens, do you have insurance? Uh, Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gotcha. That's why he wasn't freaking out. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, I did. Well, here's the problem. Okay, so you got me running the place. Well, I've never dug into the insurance side of it, right, Mike? I don't understand that. So guess what? I didn't have enough insurance. Enough? You didn't have enough insurance. Yeah. Did yeah. not have enough insurance. Thank. That happened to us, and and then we met a guy named Darren Hickey with Hub International. Now we understand the insurance side of it, but I didn't. We didn't have enough insurance. Yep. We, I mean, you know, and it's like. Well, you got. I mean, these are all the things you got to go through to be able to um, to be better the next time. So now, you live and you learn. We have, we have things like that. We do. We even got contracts for people. Like, I mean, oh we, my gosh! Now you're getting but, serious yeah. about it, right? <laughs> contracts. Come on. No more handshakes. Well, we got contracts. Is we can't get, we can't give away information. I got you. And once you give away information, you got to get contracts. Is that what your contracts are? More non-disclosure policies? Of, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Non-competes. Yeah. Yeah. Non-competes, non-disclosures, non-everything. You know it. Like, uh, I'm literally, Josh Williams and myself, we've done the whole program with Josh Williams uh, to drive for us this coming up year. And, and he's been, I've been working with him on his contract. Well, he hadn't seen his contract yet. We, we done the whole deal and got his, uh, his partner in here. He's like, and I'm like, hey, why don't you come get your contract? He's like, all right, I'll be in a couple of weeks. <laughs> how did how did Josh and, and we're gonna if you if you got a couple extra minutes, we're gonna extend this just a little bit. So how did Josh come to drive for you? We had Josh on our show after he did the famous parked it on the front straightaway right. in Atlanta. That was and, great. And you know he was the talk of the, of the race world for a couple of days just because of that. Uh, and I, I follow him on Facebook. He's still on. He's still yeah. out there doing. Yeah, I mean, well, he's, he's gonna got drive a, for these guys this yeah. year. You know, I mean, he's he's got a got a great mind did you go after him or he come to you so two years ago that the his his partner alloy uh employment services are out of based out of ohio and it's a good fit for us they came to us and was talking to us and they were talking about josh williams and i was like me and matt looked at each other and we're like we don't know josh williams i mean we have no idea who he is so we was like you know we'll look at him so that was two years ago so this year at indianapolis they came back and they sat down with us and they were you know, talk to us. And then when he literally parked it on the front straightaway, that was when Matt was like, we got to get that guy over here. He's got a bunch of big balls. <laughs> like, and, and literally that was kind of the down. And then we'd done more and more talking. And, and then we had a opening with when Landon didn't come back. And, and then we knew um, that, you know, Daniel was looking like he was going to move. He was going to move 
to cup because of partners and stuff like that. So it was going to be an opening. So we've done more and more talking. And as we've done more and more talking, um, it, it, it became obvious that Josh is going to be good for us and we're going to be good for him. And he's got a lot of learning to do. That's why we went and ran that late mile race at Florence because we're so different than anything he's ever ran before and, and in his life, right? Like we're so, so different. And so, um, we've had him in the simulator a bunch and, um, Looking forward to his progression as he goes through the next two years. He's got a multi-year contract with us, and which that was something that I was I was 100% going to make sure that we had. You know, he he can't get it done in one year because it's just Mike. You know, coming from racing the cars that that sometimes are not as competitive to come and racing with these guys in the top 10 every week. It's hard. Oh, it's you're, you're talking to the ones got the t-shirt and won the whole award <laughs> of that, man. I'm just, yeah. I, I, so he, he needed a couple of years to be able to get going. And, and even like driving the simulator, he gets in the simulator the first time, Mike, and he goes, man, this is awful rough. And then I, I got looked at him and said, Hey, that's the way they're going to feel. He's like, Wait a minute! They don't float like a boat. He said. We said no. They don't float like a boat. They don't float. <laughs> yeah. So, so as we're ending up here, I mean, we can talk forever and ever, but we're not going to. Is there anything that uh, you can bring to to the podcast that, that colleagues got going on, or can you tell us what's going on, or is there any new announcements like coming up? What's uh, happening? Well, at Benjamin, you're going to drop this tonight. Uh, I would love to be able to tell you something, but um, I think I think we're really going to surprise a bunch of people because I think a lot of people think that, you know, certain people are coming to college racing and uh, they're not um, and, and they never have been. Um, but, you know, we we as a group, Matt's an investor in business. OK, um, we're not out here to sell charters, but, you know, if charters go for bunches of money, like why wouldn't people sell them? Right. Like, I mean, it's not real smart if you're. You're a businessman, and you can you can sell charters. But you know, we're looking. Our Xfinity program has one more opening left, um, and, and I think you're going to be very surprised on who's going to drive it. Well, so. I'm going to go ahead and, and make that announcement right now that Mike Wallace is driving for Colic next year. <laughs> hey, it's, there you it's, go. it's probably new to Chris Rice and Matt Colic, but we just I left it out there. That's so. an executive decision hey, right I there. <laughs> I just signed your contract, so I'm I'm glad you were telling everybody. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, like that's awesome, man. And uh, I look forward to uh, you getting up here and getting your seat fitted. Yeah, yeah I'll be there in an hour. <laughs> but, well, when you can make that announcement, you follow up with us and we'll post it on social media. And, well, when you turn and that off, I'm gonna tell y'all who it is. Just okay. so, it, it, as long as you guys don't don't tell on me. People. Yeah, you know that. Hey, and you folks that are listening aren't gonna hear it, but we're gonna know. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Rice, you've done a phenomenal job starting up there in Virginia, a little kid going through the ranks and uh, running, being the president. Uh, that's very impressive at College Racing. Uh, we wish you nothing but the best. We thank you very much for taking the time today. You know you've got a lot going on, and uh, come back and join us sometime. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. And like I said at the beginning, thank you guys for, for giving all these NASCAR fans what they need to hear in the, in the beginning of it. It's awesome. So I, I appreciate you guys. Nice meeting you all. There goes Chris Rice. You've been listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media.